0: With the UN Climate Change Summit now well underway in Glasgow, and the city abuzz with delegates from across the world, details are slowly emerging of deals and renewed hopes for the future. But as negotiations and talks continue inside the debating chamber, what is Scotland doing in its own right to avert ecological catastrophe? Who and where are the innovators trying new things? The business leaders shaping change? Or the individuals who, with every switching off at the plug to save on energy, are collectively doing much, much more than they might imagine. My name's Sean Milne, a journalist looking at how we as a nation are playing our part in delivering climate action and hopefully discovering more hurrah hurrah around the country and blah, blah, blah. In the past weeks, I've been on a journey in my eco camper van, taking me from the Highlands to the borders and various places in between, speaking with people about what they are doing to be more sustainable and their thoughts on the summit itself as I too arrive in a dear green place. So join me on the road to COP26, our journey to net zero and beyond, brought to you in partnership with the Scotsman and Smart Energy GP, available to download wherever you get your podcasts. There's something very special about coming to the islands. It opens your mind, frees your mood in ways that cities often can't. For people like me who love outdoors and nature, it makes you pause to reflect on some of the reasons why we are so concerned about what is happening to our planet, what is important in life, and how our individual actions make their mark. As I arrive at my first stop, I soon discover I'm not alone in thinking that way.
1: Working with renewable companies uh, and seeing how important renewable energy is for climate change, for net zero targets, for a better planet, really, um, kind of brings home to you individually and as a company what you need to focus on. Uh, to do your own little bit, as well as uh, maybe working on a kind of corporate level to bring about some change as well. This is Peter
0: Kane, owner of communications consultancy the Kane Partnership based in Inverness, who counts renewable energy companies among his roster of clients. He's an old friend and was once even my boss, back in the good old days when the only worry on a sunny afternoon was whether a beer garden would be serving yet. Now though, our chat on the Highland climate is very much a different kind of conversation. One that, surprisingly since I last saw him pre pandemic, now dictates how he goes about his daily business. He has ditched his office to work remotely from home and it's made him aware, much more aware, of his lifestyle choices and personal habits too.
1: I think definitely during pandemic has become more uh, of something that's to the forefront of our minds. Um, getting that split between just normal uh, home living and uh, and your work living from home has become really important because you have to, on a very pragmatic tax level, you have to be able to uh, show what kind of energy is going towards your kind of work situation. But also you can see the kind of, especially with the energy rises that we've seen in prices and energy companies going bust now, um, we've seen uh, that it's really important to keep an eye on how you're spending your energy, and at what times of the day, uh, to really kind of keep an eye on it and keep, uh, as best as you can, keep costs in, in toll. Why do you think you haven't looked at adopting a smart meter earlier? Oh, it, it's interesting that you say that. I think um, I think one of the things that the pandemic has done for a lot of people is, is to help reassess priorities. You yeah, know, and we've seen, uh, we've been able to see the kind of differences in the world that uh, climate change is bringing about the problems that it's causing and so on
0: but he's not just become alive to the situation
1: he's positively embraced change and i think uh, uh, more and more i'm hearing through clients and businesses that we're working with about the benefits that they've achieved through having smart metering and i think it's actually a no-brainer it's something that can help you spot ways of doing your bit for climate change but also uh, really being on top of costs. Uh, I had a client for instance who had smart metering brought in and she couldn't believe how much their power costs zoomed up when uh, they started using the kettle for a cup of tea. And uh, they've uh, even got to the stage where if they've got three cups of tea being made they put three cups of water in the kettle and it's smart metering that's kind of alerted them to that, and now me. He's even thinking of getting an electric car just as soon as it's practical,
0: which will be a real boost as he services clients scattered across what is the UK's
1: biggest region by landmass. I I would like to have gone down that route even earlier than what I'm looking at now, because um, I I think the network of charging points is, is growing all the time. The ability to track on your phone, just where those charging points are, where they're free and available to use. It's something that's definitely grown across the the Highland region for certain. Um, I I know of one uh, potential client who is working on green travel and uh, they're bringing in electric cars and uh, electric charging points and using those electric cars to transport tourists around uh, places like Loch Ness. So places where you really want to decarbonise and, and not have those kind of emissions, um, that kind of green transport is really coming into play.
0: That's something that should come as music to the ears of Sam Faircliff. She's the managing director of the Cairngorm Brewery and co-founder of the community-led Highland Tourism Group, both of which have sustainability at the very heart of their mission.
2: I think it's very important for us at Cairngorm Brewery in particular because we're based in the Cairngorms National Park So a lot of the decisions that we make are underpinned by environmental sustainability. Uh, We try really hard to uh, reuse, recycle uh, and we also look at uh, the processes on a regular basis and review them and try and be as innovative and sustainable as possible. We're we're currently looking into uh, technology and innovative technology that will take us on to the future with our expansion We're looking at the technology for PV solar, um, electrification uh, of our fleet, uh, carbon capture from our fermentation process, We're also looking at um, switching from LPG to green hydrogen when that technology is available. And that's a a big consideration for us. As we're looking to increase our capacity, we want to make sure that whatever kit we're putting in is actually able to switch from LPG to green hydrogen at some point. Yeah, I think um, a lot of the things to do with environmental sustainability, actually, when you look into them, they're also... uh, a commercial decision that makes, you know, if you're going to save money, then why wouldn't you do that? Um, and I think the support that's around um, in Scotland just now to help you to make those decisions is, is a good move forward.
0: But while the business economics makes sense, she says it goes way beyond that. You can see it in the names of their beer brands. Cairngorm Gold, Wildcat Ale, White Lady, among others. A deaf piece of marketing but one they hope also raises awareness of species under threat, as well as generating donations to local conservation charities.
2: I think we've all got a responsibility in the Highlands to look after what is a beautiful, special part of Scotland, if not the world. Highland tourism came about, uh, I guess some of us uh, who are leaders in business, um, you know, had a bit more thinking time during COVID, so there were various challenges once lockdown was lifted um, for visitors coming here who didn't actually appreciate how we really need to care for it if we're going to sustain it, the wildlife and the scenery and the beautiful part of the world by looking after it. Conscious travel is about um, the, the travellers, the visitors who are coming here are conscious of the efforts that have been made by the businesses that they visit, that it becomes the norm. So it's almost uh, you're enabling them to see that that's the way forward as, as opposed to just seeing it as a playground that can be used and abused.
0: That's a kind of social awareness which is a key motivator for Gary Hayes, Chief Executive at the Campervan Co and a pioneer of responsible travel. A declaration of interest here? I've only been able to do this trip because his team sold me a Nico camper three years ago. It's a tri that runs electric and LPG as well as unleaded. It's kitted out with solar panels. It's got an induction hob and other gadgets. All in all, I can get about a thousand miles travelling at a time, even off grid. It's not perfect, but it's a huge step in the right direction. But what he tells me next makes even my trusted steed sound almost obsolete.
3: The thing is, right now we know we we know, but we're moving towards a deadline in 2030, and we know that we have to reduce our pollution and we need to reduce our carbon footprint. and people are starting to, more and more people are starting to weaken up to, towards this, so we see the hybrid as, as a step towards the final goal of being zero emissions, so we as a company have set ourselves the goal that um, f- a, f- a full five years ahead of uh, the government's um, target of 2030 to um, to build, design and bring to the market A zero emissions recreational vehicle so we've come up with this catchy term which is zero and so we are currently working just now on uh, uh, we've got two new hybrid vehicles coming up uh, one of which is the ford transit hybrid and what we're looking to do is not only is the vehicle itself uh, it gives up to 30 miles driving on the battery which is great for urban driving but we're also looking at reducing the emissions while driving but also we're looking at the stuff on the inside so we are we are looking at zero emissions heating zero emissions cooking and zero emissions refrigeration and um, uh, and we reckon we've looked at we've looked at figures there's about half a million recreational vehicles in the UK uh, and we, look, we reckon we can be reducing by this technology we're reducing um, by about 1.2 million tons of co2 over the next 10 years if we start looking at reducing not just the, the carbon that we use while driving but also stationary. Um, and it's no one's really been looking at this, is that we've got diesel heaters, we've got gas heaters, we've got various other heaters and what we're looking at is zero emission heating uh, and cooking on site. And these are these are areas of, you know, you go to beautiful areas, you go to areas which are vulnerable, you know, we want to get to the, you know, the areas of natural beauty and so we, what we want is the vehicles when they get there are not going to start polluting, which currently is the case.
0: Despite the pandemic, his business has moved to bigger premises and is investing heavily in research and development, much of which is based on innovation found in low-carbon home energy.
3: The technology we are looking to, some of it's coming from homes, um, which is zero emissions, sort of heat storage. Um, So we are looking at all the technologies, so other things that we're looking to do, which you wouldn't necessarily do at home, is that the difference between a home and your your campervan or your motorhome is as your campervan moves or your motorhome moves. So for electric vehicles a big issue is, is weight and so what we are looking to do is we are looking at some quite you know groundbreaking new technologies, new materials to lightweight the campervan to extend the range on it um, and so we are looking at um, some nice uh, highly efficient uh, electric drive trains but also looking at some super light um, a, a, a body works. And, and fittings to go on it. So we're, we're kind of rethinking outside the steel box, as, 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 as we've been saying. As you know, most vehicles are steel, we're looking at thinking outside that steel box and maybe not reinventing the wheel, but certainly improving um, the, the, the wheel and looking to um, extend the range of our vehicles, you know, maybe up to about 25,
0: 30%. And he hopes that COP26 will be a real opportunity for entrepreneurs just like him
3: on our doorstep. Um, the, the world's eyes are going to be on us, um, and on the subject which is close to our hearts, it's 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 where we see the business. It's where I'm investing all our R and D is looking at zero emissions. So it, there could there isn't a better opportunity and a, and a more important thing for us. Put Scotland ahead. You know we are, we we're market leaders. We're not just doing this to, you know. Um, be the first in, in Denny or be the first in, 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 in Scotland. We look to be the first in the world, so it's, make, it's going to be making Scotland the leaders in their field.
0: Scotland has been a world leader before, of course, in oil and gas. Arguably, this, and the industrial revolution that followed, has been the root cause of so many of the problems we face today. But from it, perhaps hope that some of the technologies pioneered in the North Sea might now lead to clean energies of the future. Alf Martinez-Philippe who's a co-champion of hydrogen economies at the Centre for Energy Transition and also a senior lecturer in chemical engineering at the University of Aberdeen, explains to me that collaboration has to be key if it's ever going to work.
4: What we're trying to do in the centre, and I think it's something that we share across the northeast of Scotland, is that uh, this energy transition has to be inclusive, so we need to include all the sectors. I think the energy sector is already on board. I mean, even if you look at more, say, uh, conventional sectors, for example, here, the oil and gas sector is absolutely convinced that they need to be part of this process. They are doing great investments in green hydrogen, for example, with wind turbines in the, in the North Sea, uh, but also uh, investing in biomass projects. I would say the technology now is probably ahead of, uh, let's say, some of this grid integration. And the problem is that um, both, let's say, consumers and producers must um, walk this way almost simultaneously because if there is not a market for these new, let's say, energy or energies, then it's very difficult to produce, um, let's say, the energy at a reasonable cost.
0: As COP26 begins in Glasgow. He believes Scotland is very well placed to showcase its progress to the world.
4: Well, I think Scotland has pioneered. Some of the areas, for example, in hydrogen technologies, uh, we have excellent natural resources uh, in terms of wind, for example. Uh, well, probably we are not so strong on solar technologies, right? Because we don't have so much sun as other countries. But um, I think this energy transition just has to take place globally. It's going to be different in each part of the world, uh, depending on the resources that are available, but also on the morph- let's say morphology or, or the shape of the communities how are they distributed across the landscape for example and uh, I think Scotland has, has taken the lead and the Scottish government is uh, investing heavily as well as the UK as well and, and it, you can see a lot of projects going on in different locations uh, in the Orkney Islands for example here in Aberdeen with the hydrogen buses at the Hydrogen 5 project as well near Edinburgh Um, and it's uh, it's all about connecting some of the dots and and making this be a a global success for everyone. The energy transition is a global process and we can't leave anyone behind which means that some countries are going to need a lot of help to make their own commitments without uh, jeopardising their own development.
0: Aberdeen City Councillor Philip Bell, City's hydrogen spokesman, he spent 35 years working in the oil and gas industry and says he is well-placed to help steer the changes, as well as working to achieve its net zero ambitions with a sustainability plan, extending district heating networks and supporting biodiversity alongside its ambitions for hydrogen and other energy sources. He says providing the right infrastructure is key, which is why they're developing a new area specifically for emerging technologies.
5: The Energy Transition Zone will be located next door to the New South Harbour. The New South Harbour is, uh, or has been, I'm sorry, dredged out to 11 metres. It's non-tidal and it's fairly huge. So having direct water access from the energy transition zone to the uh, South Harbour means that we can build very large structures. Um, It will provide local employment It will provide apprenticeships, and it will provide significant employment within the city. It's a game changer, I think.
0: Yet it's how people heat their homes now that occupies the everyday thoughts of Alexander Carroll, the asset team lead at Grampian Housing Association. He and his team are looking at everything from thermal paint to fitting household batteries to help their customers and ensure each property has a smart meter fitted as standard to help individuals budget.
6: Customers can pay their electric any which way they like, um, but with a smart meter you can you can top it up without actually having to go to a shop, um, which with the old token meters was a bit of a pest. It also allows remote reading of the meters, um, which really helps us at change of tenancy because we've got the, the meter reading from the tenant moves out. Once we finish the work and when the next tenant moves in, with somebody actually physically having to to go to visit the property, and, and and just the clearing debt is is easier with smart meters as well for us. So I asked him, is fuel
0: poverty a big deal up here?
6: Fuel poverty is a big issue, especially the events of the last eighteen months uh, between COVID, Brexit. Um, there, there, there's a lot of issues folk are stuck at home they're probably using their utilities more
0: alexander built his own house using a method called passive house design which basically uses building techniques that are sustainable use renewables and minimize heat loss a house of the future if you will which costs virtually nothing to run he geeked out on it and hopes that's a kind of lived-in experience that learning that can be used to help the housing association make its own transition to carbon net zero two but it'll take time
6: The, the customer is um, used to gas. Gas is, you switch it on and you program it very easily understood. So some of the air source or electric heatings is is, is not quite so easy to work out how it works and again, gas at the moment is cheaper than electric heating so um, we have to we, we need we need our customers on board. The one to like me um, to go to their gas boiler and put in an air source heat pump if it's going to cost them more in a utility bill. So, again, we are probably thinking that we need to, to do some sort of just transition from a fossil fuel to electric, we would need to look at additional measures, whether that's solar panels, um, battery storage, battery storage I think is key, and it's possibly new, is understood because you can really manage the grid then. Uh, I I, saw I think utility companies might actually supply these things at some point. Top up your battery um, when el- electric is cheap or sometimes nothing, there's, sometimes there's too much power. It's linked to fuel poverty and, and it's a culture change. You, you need to adapt when you maybe use use your electric or your gas. Um, so, so so there's a, a fair bit of communication needed with our customers. As someone
0: who already lives sustainably as best he can in the region, I was curious to know how he felt about what the city's main industry, oil and gas exploration, should do.
6: I I do think we need to transition away from gas and oil. Um, uh, I, I again I, I I watch Greta Thunberg, I watch all the uh, David Attenborough programs, and and uh, you, you you worry about the receding. Arctic and, and the, the the trees that are getting cut down, and I do I do think that um, we we need to ch- change our culture. Uh, we need to um, provide our, our, our turn around the damage that we've done. Uh, I mean the UK, right now it's China, but, but it was the UK that was the worst offender in the past going through the industrial revolution and so on. We need, we need to change that. Um, there's a worry about jobs up in Aberdeen, but I, I, I feel I've got an insight into what the future holds and there's more than enough jobs for everyone. Uh, the transition to, if it's air source, ground source type things, we need plumbers, electricians, uh, uh, if it's hydrogen, gas mix, again, again it's not a huge transition, I wouldn't think, from oil and gas to, to to that sort of industry. Like
0: Aberdeen, Dundee is going through its own transition from the days of jam, jute and journalism to one of new technologies and renewable constructions. Councillor Stephen Rome, the Deputy Convener for the City of Development, is optimistic about what that means for the future.
7: These things are complex it's not just a case of carbon reduction it's it's also about um, as you say combating these deep-seated issues like poverty Uh, and one of the things that we find is that fuel poverty has been a massive issue not just in Dundee but throughout uh, Scotland so by investing in external wall insulation that makes a huge difference in terms of um, making these properties more fuel efficient and reducing fuel poverty for citizens in Dundee. I think that everyone realizes the difficulties that we face uh, as a planet, not just as a city, uh, and I think everyone will want to play their part, and obviously in the future, technology is going to be a big part of that, but it comes down to individual efforts to, to recycle, to make sure that as little electricity uh, and, and water is being wasted as possible, and using the, what people can in order to lessen their carbon footprint.
0: Living proof of that is vlogger Graham Case, who I speak to in Edinburgh, as he's en route to pick up what will be his second electric vehicle, a brand new Kia. The journey of which he intends to share on his YouTube channel, the Joy VV6, is an extension of his sustainable living, which at home includes everything from heat pumps to smart meters, a key factor in his choice of vehicle.
7: Well basically while I'm sleeping the car's charging, my smart meter really helps with that as well. Yeah, um, I've got a, a special tariff uh, with my energy company that gives me three hours worth of electricity at four and a half pence a kilowatt hour. So. It works out at about one pence a mile that I'm charging. Uh, that I'm driving with at the moment, which is a lot, lot less than uh, petrol. I think petrol is about fifteen pence a mile. Basically, it was um, the realisation that burning stuff is probably not a great idea. Um, I've got two young kids. Uh, well, they're now uh, eight and uh, six, so um, they've sort of. They're not young anymore, but when they uh, entered in this, they were. And I wanted to leave the uh, planet in at least a better state than I found it in, so took steps to decarbonise my transport and the house. And uh, getting a smart meter was part of that. First thing was LED lights. Actually, I put them in, and um, then I found out about smart meters and got one installed. Um, called up my energy supplier, and they were able to install one within the week, which was really, really good and that allowed me to look at all my usage and things like that and make me realise how much my own contribution to what I do in the house is a um, sort of a direct, it has a direct impact in terms of carbon um, because you can see how much CO2 you're actually using or CO2 equivalent and uh, it made me realise that I needed to do something so it then set me off on a wonderful journey um, that has ended up me having an electric car solar panels, a home battery and an air source heat pump but um, I mean smart meters don't automatically put you down that journey that's just somewhere right where I've ended up and it's uh it's led to me getting rid of gas as well but um, it's just that uh, one of these things that is maybe like a gateway but it's a small thing that you can do to keep an eye on what you're doing to the planet. Smart meters are can save you money you don't have to do all the expensive stuff that i've done because the um having a smart meter automatically allows your supplier to have a look at what you're using every half hour and they can tell when you're using electricity in peak periods and in uh, cheaper periods so they've got that half hour data there but it's also really important for the grid so the grid can tell when there's going to be uh, have a look at the data as well and tell when there's going to be peak usage and then make the uh, grid smarter and cleaner as a result, because they can then tailor what they're uh, providing to the grids rather than providing carbon-intensive, um, carbon-intensive power that's not being needed. I think it's a realization you have to have that you can make an impact even by a small thing of getting a smart meter installed. I know um, some of my friends have gone down that route uh, from having a i've convinced them that having a dumb meter is probably not a great idea and they've been able to access these innovative tariffs from their energy company and uh like save themselves money on uh use use like they can run the dishwasher and stuff overnight which saves them a lot of money and things like that so it's not a it's not a yeah i have to go get solar panels and things like that home battery and stuff to save money from this the um the smart meter Provided you couple it with a decent tariff, which uh, most energy companies are offering, um, you, can, you can save money uh, just on your normal household bills.
0: But while all of us have our parts to play, none of us can do
5: it alone. Going forward, I think it needs to be a, a real combination of an enabling kind of policy environment with some supports, probably grants to, to kind of help people to, to, to make change an enabling environment for innovative solutions so that we're not resistant to those and so that, that you know things like heat pumps etc cetera, etc cetera, become more on stream get more efficient get easier to install and the cost of them comes down.
0: This is Jamie Brogan, Head of Partnerships at the Edinburgh Climate Change Institute.
5: But I, I do think also a lot of it is driven by people's choices and that's that's kind of what gives you hope you know is particularly you know as you stereotyping here but as you go down the the generations you know if you're trying to appeal to a younger market they care about this you know they they want to see they won't do business with a company that doesn't have the right kind of credentials and and so they'll drive that change Uh, whether they're the ones that can then drive the change in property ownership you know that's a different kind of systemic challenge that you need to look at you know You, you do wonder why any new houses that go up now shouldn't be built to maybe not passive house standard, but to be you know more efficient than they are, and and they're not at the moment, and that just to me seems crazy. The the the, the, the retrofitting challenge is a is a harder one because you it, you know you're kind of mixed up there with things like the ownership structure of Edinburgh buildings. You know if if, if it requires a combined if if it investment of a group of six people and a Tenement. I don't know if you've ever lived in a tenement, but you know if you try and get the roofing repairs done collectively, it's just a guddle. And uh, in Edinburgh, a lot of properties are owned by absentee landlords or rented out as Airbnbs or whatever. And just driving that change, getting those people to invest in properties when they might not see themselves as either long-term people who are living there or or even long-term owners, you know that's 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 difficult. So you need to create that environment either by carrots or by sticks, that's going to mean that people make those changes. And that might mean, you know, it might mean fundamentally shifting things like kind of mortgage structures and loan structures so that they're tied to the property rather than tied to the individual so that, you know, you're not, I mean, if you're only going to get a 20-year return on investment in, in you know, kind of upgrading your building and you're only planning to live there for five years because you're going to move to a bigger house when you've got a family, you're not going to make that investment, you know. And it's, it's just kind of shifting some of that stuff that, that, that's really needed to make change. And he says we should be able to learn from others too. But when you see examples of what other countries have done, it, it shows you what's possible. And when you see really visible examples, actually, when you see you know kind of buildings and cities with green infrastructure on them, you know, and and you know plants hanging down the side of the buildings, when you hear examples like, there was a company in Paris that were told to knock down a tower block, and they said, no, we're not going to knock it down. We're going to put because it wasn't very energy efficient. We we're going to put um, balconies on it, and then grow green things in them, and then it'll provide you know cooling in the summer and insulation in the winter when you see things like that it just shows what's possible and and that you know that's that's really exciting to see and you just love to see that in edinburgh
0: but he hopes COP26 can be a springboard
5: a, a, a lot of people are looking at the the what they see as the kind of unicorns like carbon capture and storage and hydrogen and stuff like that i certainly wouldn't start there you know there, there's there's a huge amount we can do just by Improving the energy efficiency of our homes by, you know, um, upgrading our appliances by looking at how, by changing our kind of sources of energy and heat, Uh, a lot of this isn't a technical challenge. Well, yes, on one level it is, but you know, the technologies to make huge inroads into our carbon emissions exist now. It's the systemic challenges and the unlocking of investment, the mobilisation of capital, and the changing of behaviours that are the things that we should be working on now. Is that one thing? I don't know, but what I'm saying is don't be distracted by these kind of long-term potential things. There is so much that we can do just now that will make a hell of a difference.
0: Changing behaviours seems to be the emerging theme of this trip. It's something that Verity Tuckwood, who runs a greenhouse self-catering, Eco Cottage and Bridge on the Borders, says it's very close to her heart.
8: It's um, it makes me quite sad when people come and they don't treat it well, um, or, or they, or you find they've not bothered recycling. When I've made it so easy to recycle, I mean, there's not even there's only two different bins in this council area, so it's not exactly hard to put the right thing in the right bin. Um, but when you find that they've just chucked their empty bottles in the the recycling when it says no glass, it's really, it's, it's a bit deflating, really.
0: Verity and her husband Mark worked with architect Keith Renton to replace a set of stables with a passive house design. It has a sedum roof, solar panels, four-stair heat pumps. It's got a big wall down the middle that somehow retains the heat for the whole house. It's triple glazed windows and much, much more. It's a thing of beauty and in truth, I just want to stay here right now rather than get back into the van.
8: The guests that left this morning were a great example of maybe slightly changing people's opinions or getting them to try new things because they were saying that they'd never used some of the eco-cleaning products before and actually they were really good. And so if they go away and they've changed one thing about their lifestyle, well, I'm happy. Um, and if everybody does that, if all our guests just went away and thought, oh, oh, I didn't know you could recycle that until I went to stay there. So I'm going to do that now. Well, great. We've changed another small um, habit, that and for the better. We're part of the green tourism scheme, and we've got a gold award from there. So, um, part of that to get your gold award is is um, very much about educating guests and helping them to to um, be more environmentally conscious. So, so I think it it kind of came on gradually, just. And just as, I think just as the whole population over the past decade has become more aware of how important these things are, I think that's probably the same for us. We've just um, understand how important it is to change people's minds. And as I say, if it's just one tiny little thing they go away with, well, that's, that's great. I think it's just because it's something that was close to our hearts and our, our way of living something i think i think moving to an area like this as well you you appreciate the environment and you're aware of it an awful lot more when you live um rurally you know you're much more aware of the seasons you're aware of the climate you're aware of the nature around you and so then when climate change emergency you know you you understand more where that fits in and how it's affecting things and and then how you can do your bit to help.
0: An unlikely candidate for becoming more sustainable perhaps is Scotland's steel industry. But the Liberty Steel Dial plant in Mullerwell is playing a key strategic role in not only servicing Scotland's renewable energy revolution, but leading the change too. As Ross Clark, president of the Community Union tells me.
9: We don't actually make our steel in Mullerwell. We have to be supplied what we we try to do is keep our carbon footprint, you know, to the good. So we try to make it in the UK um, uh, and um, produced in the UK and supply. So we try to make on the supply better. Um, So green steel, again, as a thing, what Sanjay Gupta was, was quite interesting to do. So basically if you, if you think of all, they're always a, a consequence of making steel. There's a scrap element. So you need scrap steel to make. So from, we don't use fossil fuels. So his vision is to make steel from recycled steel and what you call as uh, an EF, which is an electric art furnace process. So basically it's just melting down our steel and reproducing it into our steel and back in. So there is, as you can see, your carbon footprints, you know, are a lot better for that and good in the industry. Um, you know, the steel industry in, in general um, has been through, has to go through a transition period because we've got to need steel because at the end of the day, we want to be there, especially in Scotland, we want to be supplying, you know, the wind turbines, tidal wave. And once we go on, they want you still have to make your cars, electric cars in there. Yeah, so... You know, this is how we can impact on the future, but it's just a transitional period from, and we need heavy investment to, to get to that to that stage. There is opportunities there. There's a, a lots of opportunities. There have been major, supposed to be major wind farm, major um, tidal wave, you know, projects. You know, we'll face perfect storms over the last year we've had Brexit with, I think, different things energy costs is crippling is at the moment um but you know we always seem to get there but that there is always um i'm always optimistic very optimistic especially still and we, we do that it's just i, I think we, we said at the start we have to line everything up and make sure that if something's produced in the, the uk and it's there's the uk supply chain from start to finish and if they get that right they get the procurement right, there is, I think, there's a, a, a successful, um, you know, future for the steel industry in Scotland.
0: But as I reach Glasgow and the venue for COP26, it seems not everyone's as enthusiastic, like local man Stephen Roger.
10: you me, it's a waste of time and a waste of money. It's got to be all these people coming to Scotland just to have a big massive meeting. And to be honest, I don't think anything positive will come out of it. It's good paying lip service saying, I will do this and we'll do that. I always say, if you've got to do something, don't say it. Do
0: it. What do, you, what do you think is the biggest
10: thing people need to do? Need to change bit their behaviour for the likes of their energy and, and the way the way. They, the, I agree there is pollution. There's no doubt about that. So as an individual, the individuals want to take responsibility for what they put in and what they take out. But the now there's a lot of, there's a lot of problems, not just with the climate, but the whole world there's problems left, right, and centre but this in itself to me it's just a waste of time waste of tax people money and it's putting local people out
0: What about you yourself you, you talked about energy uh, you talked about we've all got to play a part what, what do you do yourself?
10: Uh, well I've retired now uh, for medical reasons so this, this, this is my energy now walking the dog out as much as I can just to get that energy so uh, but it's just it's, it's a nightmare having to re your route. so now rather because c- I do this every day sometimes at night time as well so I'm now going to have to come you York Hill and go down through into the city centre. And again, the, the mass protests that are planned for the city, you know yourself what it's got to be like. It's got to be a chock-a-block, so it's, it's got to be bad for everybody, I think, in the long run.
0: Others, though, are far more positive, like Kevin Cowan from nearby Boswell.
7: I think it's great for the city, you know, to, to have it here. There's obviously a lot of disruption, but I think after the COVID situation, uh, it's a boost for the businesses and stuff round about it. So I think in balance, it's a it's a good thing. but uh, well, I mean, it's it's all about the climate and you know, uh, you know, and just how things are, are changing. And I think if they get some meaningful dialogue around that, but the key thing for me is action. It's got to be about action. I think it's one of you know, talk is cheap. So what are you actually going to do? That that for me is, is is the big thing. And I think every day, I think we just need to be more aware of um, you know, what we're consuming, how we're consuming it. You know, um, do we need to take? You know, do we need long journeys? Uh, is is that is that really necessary? So I don't think there's any silver bullet. I think it's just smaller things day to day, and be just be more aware of, of what we're actually doing.
0: It's that commitment, that individual buy-in, and making it easier for people. To engage in the process that is crucial if we are to achieve net zero according to Yaki McNeil, the head of policy at Smart
11: Energy GB. I think that there's many things that, that need to be done so first of all we need to look at our energy sources what where are we getting your energy from and, and how sustainable is that so the investment that's going into renewables should continue and increase because if we are going to decarbonize uh, every possible element of our society we need to have uh, alternatives and, and that. Needs to, needs to speed up as well. And we need to look at how we heat and, and light our homes more effectively from more sustainable energy sources. And we also need to look at how we invest in our homes and to make them more energy efficient um, and less susceptible to uh, the weather and, and the temperatures uh, that are around us. And, and part of that is is the smart meter rollout. By getting uh, smart meters installed in your homes, it gives you that greater control over your energy consumption. And and when you're conscious of your energy consumption, you can then make the choices on the back of that that play into the goals of net zero. Um, And it also allows us to look at our energy generation to make sure that we're not creating more energy that we need, that we only create the energy that is gonna be required by by the buildings that that will consume it. But also if we look things like um, the rollout of electric vehicles and the growth of battery storage in our homes, We need technology and innovation on the back of that to make sure that we're capitalising on the renewable energy sources that are around us and that they're used at the right time in the right places to make that positive difference.
0: He also thinks it's where COP26 can play such an important role in motivating people like you, like me and others to take tangible action.
11: I'm an optimist with with regards to what's going on around COP26. I, I think this is a real huge opportunity for us to, to try and find the answers to this massive challenge. But I think it's critical that everyone who's involved understands that role. And when I mean everyone, I mean everyone. This should not just be seen as the government's responsibilities or the, or a, the business sector's responsibility. It's every single person who consumes energy has a role to play in that. So if COP26 has a, 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 a produced one thing, it's a platform to create pe- to encourage people to think differently about how they act with regards to the environment, but with particular regards to the energy and how we consume energy, and should we be looking at the different sources? Should we be buying uh, energy from more sustainable sources? And what can we be doing individually in our homes and in our businesses um, to reduce our impact on the environment so that net zero is a reality rather than something that's in a strategy? Uh, or in a a government report. It is something that we're able to see and understand what our role has been in helping to achieve that. We can't let COP26 just be a one-off event that then fizzles out and and doesn't achieve anything. It has to be the start and the catalyst for achieving very great things. Um, Post-Glasgow, the conversation has to keep going and the actions need to come very quickly after that. He is right. But if I've
0: learned anything on this trip it's that North, East, South and West many people and businesses are already trying to do their bit. What they need now from COP26 is immediate support, decisive leadership and above all, as Jaqen said action now. A huge thanks to all our guests for taking part in this special edition of the Sustainable Scotland podcast. To Mark Wilson and Stephen Emerson for editing and producing the show Smart Energy GB and the Scotsman for making it happen, and to you all for listening. Visit smartenergygb.org to find out how you can join the energy revolution, and follow all the latest coverage of COP26 at scotsman.com, and on Twitter at the Scotsman. And remember to subscribe to Sustainable Scotland for future episodes, wherever you get your podcasts.